The Acrest Podcast, Fund's Industry Conversations. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to this episode of the Acrest Podcast with me, Danny Lawler. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by crypto educator Nick Ashton. Nick has his own podcast called Ashton Talks Crypto, where he works through queries and the kinds of questions that people have around crypto and crypto investing. We chat about the growing interest from the more mature, experienced investors who are looking to dip their toe and maybe even jump headlong into the world of cryptocurrency investing. We also think about a few years down the tracks and how this sector is likely to develop and what will be the key uh, points that will have happened to allow that development to occur, one of which we think is probably going to be the pending markets and crypto assets regulation and regulation generally coming down the tracks for cryptocurrencies. So with that, let's get on with the show. The Acrest Podcast, Funds Industry Conversations. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the Acrest Podcast. Hello. Yes. Uh, thanks for having me on, Daniel. Well, it's great to have you here. I have to warn you now before we start that I'm just finishing up the Billy Conley autobiography. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I feel I could I could slip into swearing and tangential stories at any moment. So you got to oh, straighten that out. That sounds good to me. That's this is a, a family podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, funny enough, um, I was at the early days of Billy, Billy Connolly. I was never really getting it, um, you know. But in, in the last four or five years, I've been follow following him at, intensely, you know. Um, and it kind of really makes sense. I mean, maybe it's just that I'm getting older. I don't know. And I under I understand it more, but I just find him hilarious now. But there's an element of kind of uh, something that's underlying with what he does, you know, that kind of really makes you connect with, um, you know, today's society or yesterday's society, I suppose, that I didn't get in the past. Yeah, he's, he is a, he's a fantastic performer. His ability to do it all unscripted and without much in the way of a plan yes years anyway is phenomenal like how doesn't die of a heart attack every night before he he's incredible it's incredible uh tell us a bit about yourself nick and tell us about the the podcast your education yeah okay so basically yeah that started because of the pandemic so i kind of started um studying crypto i started um looking at blockchain because people were telling me to you know get have a look in this space this is where it's going to be in the future um you know especially in the sales industry so i took a couple of courses um on blockchain and crypto went into that and started studying it and what i found very quickly um danny was that there seemed to be a massive gap between the crypto geeks, the uh, the, the enthusiasts, the the, te- the techie people that understand all of this kind of thing. The believers, and Nick. Sorry. The believers. It, well, no, exactly. But the, but also these people, t- they were they they probably come or they did they have come from a technical background. So it was in, easier for them to kind of like the IT guys, people that have been in IT. It was an easy transition for them into uh, into crypto. So they. They understand that there's a, a jargon world. There's a you know there you know this kind of different language that they speak, but a, a gap between that and then you know people like me, 
you know, the general public. That, and, and also, um, you know, I worked, I've worked a lot uh, in the past few years in sales with investors, property investors, things like that. And I'm thinking, well, one of the things I did notice, Danny, in crypto was that uh, there's a lot of platforms where you can start to, you know, simply invest into cryptocurrency and buy some Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever it may be. Um, but there's no kind of interface to be able to actually chat and talk to people or unless you go out and find out more information yourself, there's no real space to kind of find out exactly what's going on here. Um, and then you talk about the, um, the older, more savvy, generic investors, the ones that have invested in the past in commodities and things like that. Again, the, the whole crypto and blockchain industry was just, just simply goes over the top of their head. So I'm looking, I'm thinking, well, there's got to be a, a niche here or a space that somebody should create that kind of bridges that gap between the crypto geeks and these people that are in this industry and the um, general public and the generic investors that kind of want to understand it more and relate to it more, which, of course, then in turn, hopefully brings more trust into it. And, of course, getting these people that are the generic investors to maybe um, invest um, you know, as a part of their portfolio into that. So I created um, a podcast. Um, well, initially, it wasn't a podcast. It was um, a space, a space called Ashton Talks Crypto um, on social media, where um, I started to kind of put on kind of little explainer videos um, on, and then post them onto social media and write, write a few articles that I started posting onto LinkedIn and things like that. Um, and then, um, obviously, moving on from then, I created the Ashton Talks Crypto Podcasts. Um, and what I what I do with those, and I'm about six or seven podcasts in, so you know it, it's still fairly uh, at, a, at an early stage, and I'm still learning from it as well. But what I'm doing is I'm inviting uh, uh, guests onto the show that are what you would call in the crypto industry. They have a, either a crypto uh, business or a blockchain business or, the, or they're you know, heavily into the education space. But before I invite them on, we, you know, we have a, a good chat about how we can talk about this in layman's terms or in, an, in a language that everybody can understand. And um, it's kind of gone from, from strength to strength, really. So I've, kind, I've been kind of... This profile has grown organically over the last 15 months and is kind of really going well. And I'm well into the space. And, and of course, something that I may not have thought would be very um, appetizing or of interest to me in the past um, is very, you know. So I'm kind of well and truly entrenched into the space of cryptocurrency and blockchain now. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. And what would the typical profile of somebody who engages with that platform be, do they tend to be the, I'm assuming they're not the techies if they're kind of already up to speed. Is it, is it the younger population or are you, you increasingly finding it's, what do you call there, the more generic investor, the, the, the kind of maybe more experienced investor who's now, who yeah. in other asset classes and now is looking towards crypto as, as well, at least interest of yeah. it's for them. Yes, it's, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it started off, um, that I'm because I've got a big um, kind of following, I suppose, LinkedIn following, especially and social media 
with um, the, the generic investor, so the commodities investor, the more mature investor, uh, property investor, things like that. So they are the, they're, they're the ones that are asking the questions, Danny. So when I'm putting these podcasts out, they're the ones that are then kind of commenting, saying that was great and I really understood that. And it's, it's kind of something that I was looking into. And some of the questions that were raised in your podcast answered those questions. I don't get any real feedback from the techies because of course yeah they're already in the space and it's probably the way that i do it is um you know i suppose not uh, on the level that they would normally want to talk about because there are podcasts out there from you know crypto to crypto uh, people and it's all about the charts and the figures and how much it's going to be in the future how you know what downturn bull runs bear markets they're going through all of that techie stuff so and there there doesn't seem to be anything out there uh, that i'm actually doing which is good um but the the i suppose for want of a better word the fan base is growing the way that it should be growing the way that i envisaged it to grow is to kind of start getting the attraction of the generic investors or just the general public you know people that have I, I suppose, gone a little bit into investment by investing in ISAs and things like that in the past, or maybe dabbled in a little bit of Forex or, or you know, things like that. So these are the people that I'm reaching out to. That's my kind of target audience, so to speak. And what kind of questions do they have? Are they mostly around the technical side, trying to understand what Bitcoin is or, or cryptocurrencies are and how they work or what blockchain is, or... Is it around the risks and you know here so crypto fraud and yeah absolutely um it's never about the technical stuff because you know i kind of look i mean every, we're, we're coming to a part the last part i suppose the pandemic again talking about that is the last couple of years um has, has there's been a big surge in how cryptocurrency a lot of more people want to find out more about it because again they're sitting at home and they're you know they're kind of reading they're going on the internet more it's becoming more uh, high profile on mainstream media countries are starting to adopt it mastercard visa so it's becoming more and more kind of in the forefront of what people can actually see so Nevertheless, it's never about, well, come on, come on then, you know, how does this crypto thing work then? What's the technology behind it? It's more about the typical questions that uh, uh, an investor would ask, you know, is what, or, you know, uh, what's, what are the risks, what's the risk status of this? You know, how do we know that it's not going to crash and disappear? And obviously some of these questions you can never answer. Uh, but they are the typical questions, it's, you know, with, with um, you know, other investors in commodities that I've dealt with in the past. It's, is, you know, how many different types of investment are there and are there exit plans? And big one at the moment, huge one at the moment is um, regulation. You know, it's, the, it, you know, because, of course, the crypto industry, um, there are things in place um, to categorize what crypto is and what blockchain is, or especially crypto, uh, but there's no real regulation or legislation in place. Um, 2022 seems to be that it's going to be the year for that. Um, and I feel then that the people that are asking these questions, um, you know, they're listening to the people that they trust. They listen to the news. <laughs> they listen to the institutions like Barclays Bank. You know, so, um, you know, the regulatory bodies that are involved that they've always been, you know, um, entrusted with. Um, but no, they're the uh, they're the sort of questions right. that they're asking, really. 
So I guess there's quite a lot of overlap with the questions an experienced investor would ask of a more traditional asset class. Yeah. Paired with yeah. something like a cryptocurrency about, um, you know, likely future performance, availability of assets. Um, uh, but then I guess there's, there's also a layer of questioning that applies to crypto that maybe doesn't to traditional assets, which is around um, because of their unregulated status, what are the additional risks there? How do I know I can trust this platform or this exchange or this provider? Um, how do I know this crypto exists? Is that part of the conversation too? Always. It always is. And, you know, there, there are a lot of companies out there that are, you know, that have platforms. I think one of the things, um, Danny, as well, is that, um, you know, this we're moving to massively towards this digital world now. Again, we were talking about kind of doing working from home and, you know, you just, you know, switch on your laptop and everything's in front of you. And what comes along with that as well are, you know, digital dashboard interfaces, um, chat bots when you want to when you want to speak to somebody you know you get a chat bot that doesn't answer your question and that's where the crypto industry is where if you know you look at the the uh, you know the investor that were you know the commodity investor they had wealth managers they had people that they, that, that and the wealth managers had offices you know down their local street they could walk down the street knock on the door go and sit down and build up a relationship a personal relationship with their wealth manager you know which is uh, which is a huge thing that's missing in this industry and it's not that we it's not that it's not going to happen and that's something that the industry doesn't want it's just that we are living in a different digital world now and and you know people uh, seem to be fairly happy with the transition into just dealing with robots or you know digital interfaces and things like that so although there is this um this crossover going on and those kind of simple questions are coming in. There are some underlying layered questions of those. Well, you know, I can't really physically seem to speak to anybody. Um, mm. but, you know, the people that I'm talking to um, that are asking the questions, you know, they, because it's so traditional. And if we look at Britain, for example, um, dealing with property in the UK, some investors wouldn't think twice about, you know, putting five or six million into a property development in the UK, having just, you know, spoken to them once over the telephone. And so that's not really an issue with the people or the trustworthiness of the company. It's because they trust that industry. You know, they say that saying, Brits love bricks, you know. So it's been the big investment for hundreds of years that everybody apparently should get into. So there's a there's a movement going on now, which would probably take some time uh, to sway people into thinking, right, the, 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 the bigger thing as well, the bigger picture here is the the cryptocurrency investment, the return on investment that you get uh, from Bitcoin, as an example, has gone up six and a half thousand percent, you know, um, since its uh, inception back in 2009. Now, property um, investment uh, investors have never known. They're happy with six or seven percent a year yield, <laughs> you know, mm. so trying to kind of explain to them no matter, uh, you know, matter how you do it or which company it is, um, is very difficult for them to understand it. But if Barclays Bank came to them tomorrow and said, look, 
we are now putting everything into cryptocurrency, into Bitcoin, for example. The return on investment is amazing. You're going to make a thousand percent a year. Um, there are other tokens out there that you can do this with as well that give phenomenal returns on investment. They, you know, the, the investors would then believe it because they, they believe in that institution of Barclays Bank, Lloyd's Bank. So that's the direction that um, I suppose it needs to go into. Um, otherwise, it's just going to kind of drip feed into the industry. Um, so we need the big bodies involved. We need the, the you know, the corporations, the people, the, the companies that people trust um, to go, yep, invest into Bitcoin. Yeah. And then all of these millions that they've been investing in the past into property and commodities and gold and things like that would start filtering through to cryptocurrencies, I would imagine. And where do the seasoned investors go at the moment for advice on independent, trustworthy advice on investing in digital assets or cryptocurrencies or NFTs? Like, is it to their wealth manager or you yes. know, are they entirely dependent on websites and bots and, and uh, that kind of thing? Where, as you said, the, the level of trust isn't built up yet. Yeah, probably about 90% of it is still go out there and find it for yourself. You know, when you look at the uh, wealth manager, as an example, um, a lot of them, um, uh, trying to find the right word here, but a lot of them are quite mature and are, uh, are themselves also going through this journey of this transaction of the digital age that we're all going through, really. Um, so they're kind of edgy. Um, they're a bit kind of, well, I'm, some of them, I suppose, will be throwing themselves wholeheartedly into it. Uh, some of them won't. So I'm presuming that it's, um, you know, the, the dependent on the wealth manager that you are, that you know. But having said that, there's a lot more, there's a lot more content going out on, um, going out on, on social media, especially LinkedIn, um, with regards to well-established companies, um, um, I hope you don't mind me naming, uh, there's a, a company called Devere, which most companies, uh, well, sorry, most people have heard of, um, one of the most established um, wealth management companies, independent financial advisors, uh, whatever you want to call them. They are, they've thrown everything wholeheartedly into crypto now. It's all about crypto. It's all, And they're building up portfolios. And of course, they've got a huge... Um, backtracking back of investors that have invested with them in other commodities and things in the past. So they're selling the crypto like I've never seen. You know, they really are going for it, which is great to see. So you've got a huge company like that. Um, but for the kind of smaller IFA uh, wealth manager down down the street that somebody's attached to, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of hit and miss of whether they're promoting it or not. I mean, there are still a lot, quite a lot of people out there saying, "Don't go anywhere near it. It's all going to crash and burn. You're going to be in tears." You know, and don't believe all of these big returns, because if, you know, when you see big returns like that, it's inevitable that the bubble's going to burst and all of these kind of things. So it's a, it, it's a difficult one. And, and I, 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 you know, my thinking is um, you know, the, the big establishments, the big banks. Um, we again, there was an article a few days ago that now 50 percent of the world's biggest banks are looking at or have already implemented some kind of 
crypto um, into their, you know, into their banking system. So that's probably going to get more. So the trust is going to come more into place. Um, but yeah, there's no, I mean, my, the, the space that I've got, to be honest with you, is, is simply an education. You know, we don't promote any real type of, um, uh, we don't advise financially. Uh, we just give education onto there. There are platforms if people ask and say, well, look, okay, what, you know, where, what, I, if I, I've got this amount of money, I want to invest in it, then I could advise and give them a few options. But other than that, it's more of an education space. And when the, uh, the experienced investor has got to the point where questions have been answered and, and they're comfortable enough to go forward with an investment in crypto, is it, is it very much a toe in the water kind of approach? Uh, small amount and, and let's see how it goes or do they jump two feet in and see what happens yeah i think again the majority i would say 90 percent is the toe in the water um you know start off with a you know minimal i mean I, i'll give you an example uh, one of the major um i cards or internet cards that you can get now uh, without mentioning any names is that you can uh there's a platform on their card where you can buy some Bitcoin, and you can buy a tenner's worth, you know, so you can kind of start dabbling into different types of currency just on your normal banking card. Um, there are the, the smaller platforms where which is just click and go, I call them you just go online, you sign up to the company, uh, they give you a crypto wallet. Um, and then you uh, you just enable you can buy a couple of hundred quid's worth of Bitcoin and then just start moving across from there. That's a very good question, actually, Danny, because yeah, what I'm seeing still at the moment is this um, group or, um, you know, a big group of people that are investing on a smaller, on that level, a couple of hundred quid here just to start off with. And that and that's fine. And that's great. But there's nothing really in the middle. And what I mean in the middle is the next one that we see that comes along are the people like um, Elon Musk. That uh, or the Warren Buffetts that yeah. are that are investing millions. Uh, companies like Michael Shaler, um, who is a big Bitcoin buyer, one of the biggest Bitcoin buyers in the world, but they're buying hundreds of millions in one go. But the whole—that's the whole idea of me with this space—is that I want to be talking to the people with, with ten grand, thirty grand, hundred grand, or or you know um, more of a thousand euros or two thousand euros that have that trust element already in place that they 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 you know it's worth a punt it's worth giving it a go on that based on you know the obviously the type of company that they're dealing with as i said there's a lot of companies out there but that middle ground kind of doesn't seem to be there at the moment it probably is for very few people uh, but not for the amount that it would that you would actually notice um, so that's the that that's the space that i'm looking at that that nice. is the space yeah and so if you looked five years forward, let's say, how do you envisage the, uh, the investment portfolio looking then for your, your average experienced investor? Do you think crypto is going to be a feature that will be there as much as bonds and equities and property and something that people will trust in? And yeah. what are the things that have happened in those five years to get from where we are today to, to it being a trusted and uh, valued asset? Yes. Yeah, it's well, at the moment, it is being pitched 
as um, an, an alternative investment as part of a portfolio. You know, so diversing your portfolio of investments. So you've got a bit of gold. Um, you've got a bit of, um, you know, you, you, on, the, on the stock exchange, you've got some property uh, that you rent out. You know, now is time to start thinking about the crypto, maybe in a small way to start off with. But we're looking at a huge, what I call a huge revolution going into the digital age and cryptocurrency now, which I think five years, it will be full adoption. I mean, that's my belief. And I suppose, you know, you have to kind of believe in it if you're going to go, you know, full ahead with this is that, uh, you know, we're, we've had fiat currencies in place, you know, um, that we understand for, you know, a couple of thousand years and the banking systems and everything else for hundreds of years that we're kind of used to. So we're going to a completely different era now. Um, and those, um, if those um, return on interest that we see through cryptocurrencies over the past four or five years, carry on happening and if all of the gurus that are predicting that you know for example bitcoin is going to go to half a million in five years time then even buying a bit of bitcoin today is going to make you quite wealthy you know in the future come the next three to five years that is a pivot pivotal time uh, to be looking at cryptocurrencies so i would say that the other commodity the other ways of investment are always going to be there um, and whether Bitcoin, or sorry, whether cryptocurrencies or crypto assets will uh, take the lead, um, well, if it's trusted, if people um, are, you know, trust it as much as they do anything else they've ever been investing in, I know where I'd be investing because <laughs> if the return on investment goes up to that level, I'm not going to buy property and gain six or seven percent per annum when I can buy crypto and gain a thousand percent per annum, you know, so that would be a no brainer. So it's all about the trust element over the next few years as to whether people will surge more towards um, the investment into crypto. But as it looks at the moment, it's without a doubt that would be the way forward. So it looks like uh, regulation then and I know in the, in the EU, we have the Markets and Crypto Assets Regulation yes. and working its way forward. Um, that that maybe is the, is the turning point that then allied by adoption and, and use by the, the big organizations and the big institutions that we, we know and trust. Yes, yeah. There's always- and That kind of turns the, turns the corner on, on the trust issue. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's going to be always a double-edged sword with um, regulation, because, you know, if you understand blockchain and um, digital currency, um, it's all it's all been based on decentralization, you know, so cutting out like the central governing bodies, peer to peer networks, disintermediated. So take it, taking out third parties like banks and just sending, you know, uh, transactions between one person to another, you know, so a trustless systems and things like that, which all of that works on. That's how it's been built up. So of course, when you start inviting uh, once again, the bigger banks and the centralized institutions and things like that into the mix, it starts to become a little bit more centralized again. But personally, I mean, I talk to people that are dead against the banks being involved um, and uh, it becoming more centralized again. 
Um, and then I've got people that say, well, for regulation and for things to happen and move forward, um, this has to happen. So I think there's, they're going to, I think they already really are finding a happy, happy medium with this. If you look at, at the moment, the uh, FCA in the UK, they're actually putting cryptocurrencies into a segment rather than kind of creating some kind of uh, regulation around it. They're categorizing what cryptocurrency is, where they're actually calling it um, to actually enable it to be in the market. Um, they, they categorize it as a crypto asset. You know, cryptocurrency at the moment for the FCA doesn't actually exist. It's a, it's a digital asset, you know. So yeah. in place, I think that's going to be more the way forward is to, um, you know, put the legislation in place and categorize what this actually is as opposed to kind of writing in and changing laws, um, trying to make it more centralised again, probably isn't going to work for what this actually is. Yeah, and you know, you're, you're right. The regulation is a double-edged sword, and you, you do see a lot of market participants and stakeholders push and, and really be keen for regulation because it does help to address the trust issue. But wait and see what happens in the regulatory cycle. Naturally, it increases the barriers to entry, brings up the standards, brings up the costs. And at some point, not too far down the tracks, you will then have the same stakeholders and participants argue that the regulation is too strict and too strong and too much spent on compliance. And, and thus, thus it ever was and will be. But but I think for to have that level of acceptance and maturity, you are talking about being regulated. And, and that is the, the regulated game. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it's, I, I mean, for me, it's essential. It's essential to bring in, when, again, when we're talking about larger kind of trust funds, uh, you know, hedge fund companies, there are crypto hedge funds out there. They've managed to kind of create um, products that, um, you know, that some people are happy to, to go into, you know. Um, the big boys out there, the Warren Buffetts, the Michael Saylors, you know, they're all bigging up crypto. And of course, they're involved in, uh, you know, the bigger hedge fund companies. BlackRock, another example, you know, they're well into crypto now. You know, they're buying lots of Bitcoin. They're creating hedge funds that are crypto hedge funds only. You know, so um, they've, for want of a better word, they've wangled their way around um, some kind of legislation. I think like the regulation legislation is kind of there on paper for the kind of the, the people in the middle, the people like me uh, that want to see, you know, that want to trust it a lot more, um, you know, want to see banks getting involved, the bank that I've maybe have been with for 20, 30 years, you know, these guys are doing it now. So it's got to be worth it. What if they say it's great, then I then then there's no reason why it shouldn't be, you know, so that's when you kind of want to see a little bit more kind of, you know, legislation and regulation on paper. Um, but I think for the bigger companies, they just kind of you know, work their way through it, you know, just so they can get something out there. Yeah, but the, like the, the benefit of having the, the big names in there that we've heard of um, is that they're the ones with the muscle and the resources to properly assess risks and, and bring that maturity that you have from an organization that's used to putting clients first as opposed to other interests and, uh, and used to being in a regulated space. Yes, and so they can, as I said, they can bring that muscle to to really moving the industry along and moving it to somewhere that that uh, people feel like they can trust and it's it's an asset that yeah yeah we're not in the market, but you're not going to lose out uh, because market failures like uh, 
you know, infrastructure failures or, or fraud or, or whatever it is. Yes, yeah. I mean, if you look at the kind of, um, you know, the, the things, there's a, a really good um, kind of line of existence from when cryptocurrency started or Bitcoin in, in, in general, um, of what people were saying at specific times over the last sort of 11 years. And uh, at one point, about nine years, eight, nine years ago, it was Bitcoin was only used by fraudsters and money launderers and terrorists, <laughs> you know, so, and, and that was pretty much what Bitcoin apparently was used for. I mean, I wasn't in the space at that time, so I, I don't really know. So it's kind of moved on. It's already moved on a long way. But the great thing about the whole industry, and even though we can't, we're starting to see this surge with the adoption of countries, I mean, El Salvador is now using it um, as a uh, as a currency. You know, you can buy things with it with Bitcoin, um, and uh, you know, big companies like Mastercard and Visa again are adopting it as well. We're still only at five percent world adoption of cryptocurrency, whether that's in the investment space or just the general public that walk up and down the streets. You know, whether it's in that space company adoption. I mean, the bigger banks, they're 50% of the world banks, as I said, they've, uh, they're starting to look at cryptocurrency, which is a very good thing. But still, we're at the bottom end of that upward curve with regards to crypto. So, you know, there's still a hell of a long way to go, especially with regards to regulation and legislation. There's going to be a lot of ups and downs. Um, there's going to be big rises in the market, big drops in the market. But that is the journey that if you choose to take it, it's going to, the volatility is going to be there. But hey, I mean, if you look at any type of investment other than, I suppose, simply leaving your money in the bank, there's always going to be some kind of element of risk, um, which gives you the higher potential yields um, that you would prefer to go with, you know? Yeah, well, plenty to, plenty to chew over there. Yes. And, and wonder about for the future. One last question, Nick. Um, outside of cryptocurrencies, do you find investors are asking about or interested in other types of digital assets as investment opportunities? Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, it's all coming to the fore now as, you know, we're talking about um, NFTs, uh, ETFs, you know. Um, so, you know, the, the great thing with an NFT is, is the, the fact of that you can you can buy things like digital art or you know kind of you know all these different types of um, they're still non tangible because they're, they're they're digital but nevertheless it's something that some that people can look at so we're still in the realms of um, we're still in the realms of cryptocurrency at the moment and trying to get people's heads around that but you know again it comes down to the the you know the techies the geeks the people that have are already encompassed into this industry that are fast forwarding at a rate of knots all of these new different ways of investing into crypto assets and other different ways so the talk is only just starting with that um, and there will be investors that will jump across from crypto and go straight into nfts for example and and buying digital art and all these other different ways of um of uh, you know and, and tokens so you know buying tokens with um, you know digital art and NFTs and cryptocurrency all under one token, you know, so um, mm-hmm. diversifying a portfolio with all other different types of digital production or di- digital products within them. Wow, plenty to take in there, Nick. <laughs> yes, a lot Thank to you take. Very much in. for your time. Very much appreciated. Uh, request listeners do check out Ashton Talks Crypto uh, if you want to tune into 
uh, Nick's own podcast and, and the, the work he's doing around education on all things crypto and crypto investing. Um, listen, Nick, thank you very much for your time. I've loved it. Thanks very much, Danny, for inviting me on. And thank you very much, Equest Podcast listeners, for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on the Equest Podcast. The Equest Podcast, funds industry conversations.